This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, the title today, the message is this, Absolute Truth. Absolute Truth. We're going to be talking about this for a few minutes here. And, uh, you know, I have come to find out that the truth is not always the most popular topic that there is. The, and, and, and there's a lot of people that are searching for truth, and I can, I can definitely say that in this crazy day and hour, in this time that we live in, 2020, 2021, I see people that are no longer satisfied with living a lie. People that are no longer satisfied with uh, just going through life wondering and, and, and searching and grasping for answers, but there is no doubt about it, a search and a hunger for truth right now that I've never seen in my lifetime. Now there's plenty of people that, that, you know, they're, they're okay to be blind, they're okay to just keep cruising like nothing wrong is going on, but there is a portion of people that want to know the truth because they want answers. And that's where I'm at. I want answers. And the good news is, is I have found answers. And they're right here in the Word of God. He's never let me down. Ever. And so, you know, I was just doing a little bit of research kind of on this topic. But in a national survey done by the Barna Research Group, they asked people if they believed that there were moral absolutes and if there was absolute truth, that doesn't change based on your circumstances. And crazily enough, by nearly a three to one margin, 64% of adults said that the truth always depends on the person and their situation at the moment. So, for instance, lying is wrong, but it's okay to do it if it's going to get you out of a speeding ticket this time, then go ahead and lie. Well, does that make it right? Because your situation is you don't want your insurance rates to go up? Hey, I've been there, all right? You know, I don't like my insurance rates right now, but praise God, that's between me and God, right? But listen to me. That doesn't make it okay, or or stealing is always wrong unless you're a poor person and you're stealing from a rich person, then it's okay because they've got more anyway. No, stealing is wrong no matter who you're stealing from. Lying is wrong no matter who you're lying to. The truth doesn't change based upon your situation or what your personal definition of the truth is. Now, as we broaden the definition, and that's one thing that we're seeing in our modern day and age, things that used to mean one thing no longer mean that anymore. We're changing the definition and broadening the definition on different words to mean something totally different than what you and I were raised to believe that that word meant. And so, in an ever-changing culture, in an ever-changing society, in a world where morals seem to be changing and evolving non-stop, I'm looking for something that's solid. I'm looking for something that's not changing. And thank God I have found that, because I need something secure. I need a firm foundation like we were just talking about. And that's what the Word of God is. You know, it, it shocked me over, you know, the last nearly year now that we've been kind of dealing with the whole pandemic and all this stuff. It's kind of shocked me how quickly things can change, right? I mean, one day they're saying, no, this got to be like this. And the next day they're like, oh, no, 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 that's totally wrong. We were wrong on that. Now you've got to do it this way. And then the next day they're like, wait a minute, go back to the first way we said things and forget what we said. And I'm like, which way is it? 
Do you guys know what you're even talking about right now? But what I'm here to tell you is this. There is something absolute. There is something that doesn't change. And that's what we're looking for. The truth never changes. And so I want to pray Then I'm going to very briefly go into a, a message here that I want to show you some things from the word of God, because what we need right now more than ever is an anchor for our souls, as the scripture calls it. Amen. So let's pray together and we're going to dig right into God's word here. Father, in Jesus name, Lord, we thank you so much that we have a church to come to, Lord. We have a place that we can gather and hear your word. And God, I pray that as we see the word of God today, as we hear the word of God today, Lord, that you would speak to us. And Lord, may your word have free course. May you do everything that you need to do today to change us, Father, so we can be the person that you called us to be. We thank you for that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. So three things about absolute truth, because I firmly believe in absolute truth. All right. There's a lot of things that change, but the truth is not one of them. All right. So number one is this. You don't get to pick what the truth is. Now, that may be a big letdown. That may be a bummer to a lot of people because, you know, I, I would like to pick what the truth is. I'd like to say that I'm an astronaut and that I'm a multi-billionaire and that's my version of the truth. And you've got to submit to that because that's what I identify as true. But that's simply not the truth. And so I've got to look at what the truth is. All right. And so there is a very common belief in our modern society and our generation. And that's you just choose what's true for you, you choose what's right for you. And so so if we were to live our lives based on that, if there was no moral compass, if there was no moral absolutes and I just did whatever I felt was right for me, that would mean, well, I, I identify as stealing is okay for me because I need it and you've got it, so I'm just going to take some, right? And don't get mad at me. Don't judge me about it. Don't Don't call the police on me about it because for me, I don't think that's the wrong thing. I've decided that my truth is that stealing is okay. Well, obviously, we know that that is not how it works. Moral truth is defined as an inflexible reality. So the world around us says, well, what was true yesterday isn't true today. Truth changes and truth evolves. But the Bible tells us something different. I want you to look this morning at John chapter 14 and verse 6. John 14, verse 6. Who's glad that they came to church today? I am glad. I would rather be here than the absolute best prison in all of Southern California. (laughs) I'd rather be here than the best hospital in all of North America. I would rather be right here in the house of God with the people of God, hearing the word of God. Amen. And so... John chapter 14, here's the words of Jesus himself. This isn't somebody else saying this. This is Jesus Christ, the man himself, saying what truth is. And so if anybody gets to define what truth is, I'm going to say that it's Jesus himself. And so John chapter 14 and verse 6, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
And so Jesus right here says, hey, whoa, hold on. I'm the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Nobody gets to go to the Father except through me. And we hear things like, well, there's many ways to heaven. I'm sorry. That's a lie. There are not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. I can't buy my way into heaven and say, well, I know, man, uh, Jesus did his thing, but I'm super rich. I'll just write a check and get myself into heaven. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter how rich you are down here. Well, I'm super good looking and I'm an Instagram influencer and I've got 30 million followers. So you just better let me in. It doesn't work that way. There's one way, and Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Well, I know, but that's not my truth. Well, that's the truth. Now, look at this one, Hebrews 13.8. I'm getting somewhere with this, all right? Just follow me for just a few minutes. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, and this tells us another aspect of what we're building upon right here, but... I just reached a point in my life where I don't want to be lied to anymore. Even if the truth isn't what I want to hear at the moment, even if it's not what what makes me feel good, I don't want to live a lie. I don't want to be deceived and everybody around me know it, but in the end, I pay the price for it. If I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong. And I want God to tell me. I want a preacher. I want somebody to tell me if I'm wrong. Have you ever been in a situation where you were with a group of people, then you get home and look in the mirror, and you had something in your teeth the whole time? You start to wonder who your real friends are. Like, hey, how come nobody told me that? Somebody could have said something. I, not to get a little too gross, maybe you had a little something coming out of your nose right there, right? And and nobody said anything the whole time. You, everybody else saw it, but nobody loved you enough to tell you the truth. Well, we love you enough to tell you the truth, even if for just a minute it makes us uncomfortable. And so we already saw in John fourteen six that Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Now, Hebrews 13.8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, is Jesus going to change in 2021 from what he was in... I mean, no. He's not going to change. If if anybody needs to change, it's going to have to be me. So, according to the Bible, Jesus is truth, and Jesus never changes... So the truth never changes. And until you firmly establish that in your heart, you're not going to have a very solid foundation for your faith. Because think about it this way. If Jesus has to change on something, then that means at one point he was wrong. And if Jesus was wrong, that means Jesus isn't perfect. And if Jesus isn't perfect, then Jesus couldn't have died on the cross to save my behind from my sins. And that means I don't really know if I'm going to heaven now. Because I'm going to have to argue my way in there. I'm going to have to try to get my own way into heaven. And I'm telling you, I've been a pretty decent person most of my life. But I'm not good enough for heaven. No way. There's no. I don't deserve heaven. I haven't earned my way to heaven. But because Jesus is perfect, because Jesus has never changed, because the truth has never changed, I can rely on Jesus and his goodness and thank God I know that I'm going to heaven someday. You can't talk me out of it. I'm not afraid. And people, well, I don't know, man. And and I can say this with all certainty, that you can't scare a Christian with death. 
I'm not looking to die right now, but are you kidding? Trying to threaten me with heaven? I'm not afraid of going to heaven. I welcome the thought of going to heaven. I want to get there. Not just yet. I, you know, I've got a lot to do down here. But listen to me. I am confident and I am convinced that heaven is real and that I'm going there someday. And I gladly look forward to it. But if the truth changes and everybody just makes up their own definition, then that is not what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if you follow sports a whole lot, but back in 2012, the world champion cyclist, everybody remember a guy named Lance Armstrong? Well, his name is kind of, you know, it's a, 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 an embarrassing name, I guess, at this point. He lost all credibility because it, it, it turned out that he cheated the entire time of his career. I remember, I'm not into, you know, bicycling and stuff like that necessarily, but I always thought it was cool, like, hey, we've got this American, he went over there to France, he won seven straight titles, this guy, USA. I was so proud of this guy, even though I'm not really into bicycling. Then it turns out that he cheated to win every single one of those races. He was doing steroids, he was taking short, he was doing all sorts of bad things to win, and so they stripped him of all his titles, they banned him from the sport for the rest of his life. Why? Because there were absolute truths, there were absolute rules that you had to abide by to even get to be a part of this thing. Now think about it this way, what if the people, I don't even know what they're called, the people in charge of the bicycling, in charge of the whole thing, they did not believe in absolute truths. And so they said, now, Lance, we know you're cheating, buddy. What, what are you going to say to that? Well, now, hear me out on this, okay? I know the rules say this, but my definition of truth is I'm allowed to take steroids and nobody else is. I'm allowed to take shortcuts and cut people off. Nobody else is. But according to my own personal definition, I didn't cheat. Oh, well, if that's the case, then by all means, let's give you an extra title. Let's just, you know, it's all forgotten about. Don't don't worry about it because you were living. No. In bicycling, in football, in basketball, in every in every area of your life, there are absolutes that you have to live by. And if there are absolutes in riding a bike, you better believe there's absolutes in your eternal destination about where you're going to go when you die. You're not going to get a shortcut. You're not going to get a, 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 a to take the back way in. No. Jesus said, I'm the only way. You're going to have to come to me and you're going to have to do things my way. Well, I don't want to do that. That's fine. It is your choice. We are all free to choose, but we are not free from the consequences of our choices. And I've been on the wrong end of that a few times. I've received a few whoopings in life. I've received a few uh, punishments in life for making the wrong choice. But guess what? God is so good that he gave me another chance. Is there anybody here today that you're on your second chance? You're on your third chance. God didn't give up on you. But the truth is, is that we don't get to just make up our definition of what the truth is. Jesus already said what the definition is, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. Number two today is this. Sometimes the truth hurts. Anybody? Maybe somebody did tell you the truth that you had, you know, you had some garlic in your teeth. Maybe somebody did tell you, like, man, I know you just ate a burrito, but you got some guac right on the side of your mouth right now, man. Listen, maybe someone did tell you the truth, and at the moment, like, oh, man, that's embarrassing, but thank God they loved you enough to tell you the truth. And I'm going to say this, that sometimes the truth hurts, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. 
and that may hurt, and I never want to hear that I'm wrong, but guess what? Sometimes, good old Pastor Dave has been wrong. And I am glad when I find out how to do it right, because I'm willing to change. I want to change. And so, there's been countless times that I've had to face the cold, hard truth, even if it's not what I wanted to hear, but in the end, I'm glad somebody cared enough to tell me the truth, because I don't get to choose what's true. Jesus already did that. And so, as we look at the New Testament here, the Apostle Paul, we're going to turn over to 1 Corinthians, so you can flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but the Apostle Paul, he had to write a letter to the church in this city called Corinth, because the people of Corinth, they were they were a, a kind of a wild bunch of people. They loved the Lord. They were zealous for God. I mean, they went to church. They did a lot of good things, but they also kind of lived by their own rules a little bit. <clears throat> they also kind of tried to define what their own truth was. And so Paul had to set them straight, and he risked losing that relationship. But First Corinthians 3, and we're going to look here at verses 1 through 3. First Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Wait, whoa, that hurts. We're church people. You can't talk to us like we're spiritual. No, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants or babies in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. How would you like it if you're going to your Super Bowl party tonight and you're looking forward to some hot wings and somebody brings out some jars of baby food? Now, listen, I know you like the extra spicy, but you aren't ready for that. You're a sissy. You're not a man. Whoa! Calm down, man. But, hey, it's okay. We got some ground peas right here. This is for you. We'll give the pizza and hot wings to everybody else, but you're you're not ready for this. I mean, you'd be insulted, right? Come on. You'd be like, man, what's going on? And so Paul is telling these people that think they've got it all together. He's like, really, you guys are a bunch of babies. Verse 3, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Now, I'm telling you, that was probably a slap into the face to these guys because they thought that they had it all together. They thought that they were mature. They thought that they were big boys and girls. And Paul says, man, I've got to just... I gotta talk to you guys about basic stuff. I can't even talk to you guys about anything deep because it's too heavy for you. You're a bunch of spiritual babies. I mean, that's enough right there to be kind of offensive. But look, he goes on here, chapter six. I mean, this whole letter of 1 Corinthians, it's, it's pretty hardcore stuff, but Paul loved people enough to tell them the truth. And so that's, again, that's where I'm at in my life. I want to know the truth. I don't, if a lie is what makes me comfortable, I don't want to live a life based on lies. I want the truth. First Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. This is same letter to the exact same people. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? But wait a minute, I thought that just everybody, as long as they wanted to, he said, no, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery, I mean, this gets crazy here, or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Well, that's not what I believe. I believe you can abuse people and cheat people and everything's okay. I'm sorry, that's not what the scripture says. You can't go around being an abusive person and still think that everything's okay. Well, my version of the truth says I can hit people when they make me mad, so I just hit people when I'm angry and then I feel better. They're hurt, but I feel better. That's a lie. You are not allowed to do that. That is not the truth. The truth says, you know what, people might make me angry, but I'm not going to hit them. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to treat people how I want to be treated. That's the word of God. And that's the truth. Well, I don't like that truth. I like to beat people up. Then you're going to have to change on your end because God's not going to change scripture. I like to cheat people. I like to tell them one thing and then I do something else. I like to make an agreement on this much and then I go and, and I, and I re, redo things over here. That is not gonna work. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't get to make some up uh, my own strange definition of what it is. I don't want to live a life. Now imagine if Paul in 2021 wrote this same letter to a group of people. I don't even know. I mean, I can't even imagine. He'd be called all sorts of things, all sorts of names. And how dare you tell people that they can't do that? How dare you tell people that they aren't allowed? To, how dare you do this? How, how dare you? We're just going to cancel your whole thing. We'll cancel your ministry. We'll cancel your job. We'll cancel you. We'll cancel your accounts. We'll freeze your accounts. We will straight up cancel you because you said something that we don't like. Whether you realize it or not, whether you agree with it or not, I don't really care. There is a hatred for the truth in the day and age in which we live. But I see this glimmer of hope that there is a portion of people that are coming into church and saying, you know what? I want the truth. I don't want to be lied to anymore. I don't, if I'm wrong, I want to know that I'm wrong. If this is going to send me the wrong way, tell me the truth! There's people that want to change, and I'm seeing it every single day. And so the fact of the matter is this, is we have got to tell the truth. Second Corinthians, let's flip over there. So Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, and then he wrote another letter to them. All right, I kind of gave the answer away, but does anybody know what the name of his other letter is? Bingo. Second Corinthians, right? Anyway, so he writes this other letter, Second Corinthians. And he says this. Now, imagine that you've just really had to drop some sort of nuclear truth bomb on somebody. Uh, and that's what Paul had to do. He had to say some things that probably risked his entire relationship with these guys, probably risked kicking some people off. But he said it anyway. He did the right thing. And so here we are in Second Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. We're going to see what his follow-up letter was like. So 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, he said, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first. Whoa, what? Paul? He was actually, he sent the letter. You ever dropped a letter in the mailbox? I mean, I know it's 2021, so you probably haven't mailed a letter in a really long time. But just imagine you mailed a letter or sent a text message. You hit send, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's probably not what I actually want. Well, that's kind of, Paul had some second thoughts. On this letter. But then he says, For I know it was painful to you for a little while. But now I am glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you. 
but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. Wait a minute. There's a certain sorrow that God wants people to have. I thought God only wanted me happy. God wants you blessed. No doubt about it. God wants you blessed. But there is a certain bit of sorrow that is godly. Well, what is that? Verse verse 18. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Paul said there is a godly sorrow. And I have reached that point at times in my life where I'm like, you know what? I have been dead wrong. I've hurt people. I've hurt myself. I've hurt God. I've stinking done things the wrong way. And I feel awful about it right now. And you've got one of two options. You can say, well, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to keep doing it anyway. I, I'm going to let my pride take over. And I'm a man. I'm not going to admit I was wrong. No way. I'll tell you what. Your pride is your biggest enemy, man. Your pride is your biggest enemy. Sometimes you got to shoot that pride and say, you know what? This is stinking embarrassing. I was dead wrong and everybody else saw it. But I'm going to man up right now and I'm going to admit it. Guys, I was wrong and I need to change. When you reach that level, you've reached a level of what the scripture calls godly sorrow. And you're finally at a place where God can start changing your life. Because everybody wants God to change their life. But everybody wants it to be on their terms. God Change my life. Give me the job I want. Give me the money I want. Give me the joy and the peace that I want. But you're going to have to do it my way. And and, and listen, God's not going to bless your life on your terms. It's going to have to be on his terms. Right? If you go apply for a job, you don't say, all right, guys, yeah, I'm here to do you guys a favor. I'm going to let you hire me, but you're going to have to pay me this much. You're going to have to do this, this, and this. Those are my terms, right? I mean, unless you're some super talented athlete or some Einstein brilliant genius person, I'm not saying you aren't. You're a gifted, talented group of people. But let's just, for the sake of argument, say that we're all pretty average people, all right? Unless you're like Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to go in there and make up your own set of rules, right? You're going to have to go in there and accept the job on their terms or they'll just find somebody else. Well, with God, you're not going to come in and set up the whole kingdom of God, rearrange everything that he's established for 2,000 years, and make it on your terms. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you peace and joy. He wants to bless your finances and your health. But it's going to be his way and on his terms. And so that brings me to the third thing today, and that's this. The truth sets you free. Lies might make you feel real good for a little while, but they're chains, they're bondage, they're holding you back. The truth might be uncomfortable, but it will set you free. You know, I I mean, I've talked to different people that have been in prison and stuff. I know some of you here today have been in that spot. And I've heard people tell me that at first you're glad to be out, but it's a little bit different, right? I mean, there's an adjustment period, and it can almost be a little bit uncomfortable, right? Where you're like, hey, what, I mean, I, what am I going to do now? I, I, I don't know what to do with myself. And it can kind of be the same way if you've been locked up and chained up with lies for a really long time. It may be a little bit uncomfortable at first when the truth slaps you in the face. 
But listen, I would a whole lot rather be free and happen to relearn some things than bound up in chains and lied to. Amen? Somebody with me on that? Amen. Don't mind all these guys getting up. They're getting ready for baptism. All right. So I'm going to show you a verse here. John 8 and verse 32. John chapter 8 and verse 32. Are you still with me today? John 8 and verse 32. Let's flip over there because the truth never changes. And I'm glad it doesn't because I'm tired of things changing. I want something that's stable. I'm looking for stability in my life. John chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 32. And again, this is the words of Jesus. This isn't somebody else. This is Jesus himself speaking to us the truth of what the word of God is. John chapter 8. And we're going to look here at verse 32. And Jesus had this to say. He said, and you will know the truth. And what will happen when you know the truth? The truth will set you free. Now, really, to fully get the the reality of this concept The truth doesn't just come up and set you free. It's when you know the truth, the truth will set you free, right? I mean, it's like just having a car in the driveway won't get you places. Getting into the car and starting it up and knowing how to drive it will get you places. And so just because the truth is there, just because the word of God's right here, you've got to start knowing the truth if you're going to be set free. And that's why people are coming to church right now. That's why people are reading their Bible right now, because they want to know the truth, because they want to be free. And sometimes you don't appreciate freedom so much until maybe you've seen what it's like to not have freedom. Now, I know a lot of our soldiers and stuff in here, you've been overseas, you've seen countries where there isn't a whole lot of freedom. I, when I was fifth, I spent my 15th birthday in St. Petersburg, Russia, and I was over there for a little bit trying to do some missions work, and I mean, this was in the year 2000, so it was after a lot of the, I guess, the the stuff had fallen, but I can tell you this much, just going to Russia, the depression and the anxiety and the doom and gloom was so thick in the air, you could feel it, man. I just, it just flying from New York City all the way to Russia, when you landed there, it was a whole different atmosphere. There was no freedom in the air. If you've been to another country, you know what this is like a little bit. I remember we would have to take these uh, escalators way down to the subway. I mean, the longest escalator ride. It's like several minute ride, and this escalator is moving fast. But I just remember going down this thing, and all the faces coming up at you are every single one, 100%, the most depressed, stressed out, sad, sorrow, doom and gloom, hopeless faces I've ever, not, not, a, not a smile anywhere. I remember at 15 years old, I'm like, my gosh, this is awful. It started to get on me. I'm like, man, I just, I feel like, what is this? There was a sense of fear. There was no freedom in the air anywhere. It was, I'm just going to say it, it was terrible. Now, I know the USA, we've got our issues, but when we landed back down at that JFK airport in New York City, the whole plane erupted in applause and people were, people were so glad and instantly, I could just feel an instant change in the atmosphere like, wow, I finally got my breath back. Why? Because America? No, because freedom. You don't realize it, man. I've been to communist countries. I've been, we have been to Nicaragua, a communist nation, and it's not very fun. 
People are scared. There's no freedom everywhere. It, I'm just going to say it is not that great of a place. Why is that? Because freedom is something that you don't always appreciate until you've seen what it's like to not have it. And there's sometimes people in church that they get a little excited. They say, Amen. They scream, they dance, they get up and jump around, and people that have never really been through that much, they look at them, well, I wish that guy would just shut up. He's not going to shut up because he used to be addicted to drugs, and Jesus set him free. He was six inches from the edge of ending his entire life, and Jesus came and grabbed him out of the ditch, and now every single time he thinks about it, he gets excited, and he nearly cries, and he says, Thank you, Jesus, that I've been set free. And sometimes you don't appreciate freedom until you've seen what it's like to be bound and chained and locked up and addicted to something. And then when somebody sets you free, you thank them every single day of your life because you don't ever want to go back. The truth will set you free when you begin to receive the truth. So I don't care how painful it is. Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Even if it hurts, don't lie to me. I want the truth. Because the truth will set me free. And I've seen what it's like to not be free. And I don't ever want to go there. It's a nasty, terrible place to be. I want to show you one more verse today. I'm flinging my notes everywhere. Pardon me. Turn over to Isaiah for me, please. All right. Isaiah chapter 40. And so... What we saw there, did, did Paul have to tell the cold, hard truth to the people in Corinthians, right? He had to tell them the truth, like, man, you guys are living this way, and I hate to say it, but you're not going to go to heaven if you keep that up. When that was hard. But then he comes back and says, you know what? You guys changed. I, I mean, I, that was hard for me to do. But then, Second Corinthians, you guys changed. So look at this, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Are you still glad you came today? All right, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8, and this is a beautiful verse, Isaiah 40 and verse 8, it says this, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Oh my gosh. Now, if you're somebody that doesn't like the Bible and doesn't like Jesus, you hate that verse because what he's saying is, What he said was wrong in the Bible means it's still wrong today. But if you're somebody that loves God and you love the Bible, you're somebody that looks at that verse and says, thank you, Jesus. That means if you still healed people 2,000 years ago, you still heal people today. If you still set people free 2,000 years ago, that means you still do it today. When I look at that verse, I thank God and I want to fall to my knees and say, thank you that you didn't change. Thank you that you didn't need an update. Thank you that you didn't change things around just because of our modern times. I'm grateful that he didn't change. So when I, you know, a lot of you know my story. I'm not going to go way into it, but three and a half, I get leukemia. I'm in a children's hospital and on, a, you know, on a deathbed at three and a half. It was, it was bad. But one thing that I want to share really quick is this. As I'm in this hospital and, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting spinal taps, I'm getting needles, I'm getting blood drawn out, getting fresh blood put in every day. It's painful at any age, but at three and a half, it kind of stinks to be getting spinal taps, right? I mean, it's a painful deal. 
And so I'm going through all this. I've lost my ability to walk. I can't walk anymore. I'm having all sorts of bad things happen to my small three and a half year old body. And so one night, my dad's best friend, his name's Gary, he comes and, 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 and it was a woe moment. I was doing, it was, it was a bad day. I was doing really bad that day. I was not doing well with my health at all in the hospital. And so Gary comes to my dad and says, can, can I, I want to pray for David. What can I pray? And my dad says, I'm confident that God's bringing him out of here. No doubt about it. But here's the deal. I don't want him to keep laying here in this pain and this suffering. In the meantime, I want to pray that he could somehow be spared the pain. And so Gary, I love this man with all my heart. Gary says, you know what? The word of God says where two or more are gathered in my name. I'm right there in the midst. I've got the faith right now. I'm going to pray over this three and a half year old that he will feel no pain for the rest of this time. And I swear, I don't, I'm going to swear to God because you can't do that. But I am going to tell you the truth right now. That man laid hands on my three-and-a-half-year-old body, and I promise you, I am not lying one bit. I, for the rest of my treatments, I didn't feel one needle touch my body. They would give me shots. They would give me spinal taps, and I would I would laugh right there. I didn't feel any pain the rest of my life. In fact, I had to keep going, getting blood work, and amen, come on. I had to keep getting blood drawn and all this stuff until I was 18 years old. And for years and years and years, they would give me needles, give me procedures. They would do all this stuff. But listen to me. I promise you, I did not feel one needle any of those times for several, several years. Why? Well, that's impossible. No. With God, all things are possible. Listen, if Jesus changes, then that type of stuff doesn't happen. If Jesus changes, then I don't know if I'm going to get healed of cancer when I have leukemia. If Jesus changes and I'm having marriage trouble, oh my gosh, what what now? What if Jesus doesn't help marriages anymore? But thank God that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Jesus does not change. And so what I want to just bring it all to today is this. God's way is not always the easy way. I'm not going to lie and say, well, this is the easy way. Just sign right here and all your worries are... No. God's way isn't always the easy way, but it is always the right way. Tell you that right now. It's always the right way and the truth will set you free. And so I know people that, well, you know, listen, I, I do God my own way. I, I, I do this and I do that and that's my connection. And then I kind of got my thing with God. I'm not a mean man, but that's a lie. You, you don't come to God on your terms. You come to God on his terms. And he says, I'm the way the truth, and the life. And if you've got some other alternate definition of what truth is, you're going to have to lay that down and say, you know what, maybe I've been wrong. Maybe I need to look for a new definition of truth, and there's only one, and it's this right here. And yet it tells us we've got to change some things, but also it tells us if you'll change some things, he will give you peace. He will give you joy. He will bring you out of depression. He will bless your wife, your husband, your children, your household. He'll bless your job. He'll heal you if you're sick. You're going to get up there right now in the middle of a pandemic and say, He will heal you if you're sick. I stand by that until I die and go to heaven. That Jesus Christ 
wants you healed. He does not want you sick. He sent his word to heal you and deliver you from all of your afflictions. I will say it boldly. Jesus Christ still heals people. Jesus Christ still delivers people. Jesus Christ still sets people free. But he does it his way. He doesn't do it your way. And so, amen. There is a chance that you're going to have to change some things if you're going to get all these promises of God. But it is worth it. Can I have a stand up together today for just a minute? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.